You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us listen to the word of our God as we find it in Luke 22, the verses 1 to 23. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Thus far the reading of our scripture passage, and then we turn to our text for this morning, which is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 14 to 22. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 14, ending at verse 22. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry, I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel, do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? 
Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, life is filled with many choices. Most of the choices that we make in this life tend to be rather minor. How to dress in the morning, what to eat for breakfast, which way to go to work, whether or not to stop off at Tim Hortons along the way. But then in addition to minor choices, life also confronts us from time to time with major choices. Whether or not to continue with a certain relationship. Whether or not to move to a different town or province. Whether to buy a house or to keep on renting. Whether to enter the workforce or to pursue an education. You might say minor as well as major choices, life is full of both. And that goes for all of us. And you can say it also applies to those believers in the city of Corinth long ago. They too were confronted with choices. Only in a sense, you might say, they were confronted with even more fundamental choices than we have mentioned already. Actually, if you look at it, it really comes down to one thing, just how far do we involve ourselves in the affairs of the world around us? How close do we get to the world? How cozy do we become? How many steps towards it do we take? And of course I recognize and probably you recognize as well that those are not exactly strange questions, not even for today. Do we not wrestle with some of those same kind of issues? As individual believers and especially as parents, do you not struggle with that at times as well? Do you not find yourself asking yourself, are we becoming too comfy with the world? And am I in my life ignoring the line of separation and crossing over into the realm of compromise? Are we losing or sacrificing our distinctiveness? Well, beloved, in Corinth, that was a real problem. And it came out in a number of different ways, but perhaps no more clearly and emphatically than in the meat and the meal issue. You may recall that previously Paul had commented on the matter of eating meat sacrificed to idols. And he had warned against doing so because of how it would adversely affect one's weaker brother or sister in the faith. 
But along with the issue of eating tainted meat, there was an even bigger issue. Namely, what about going to pagan temples and eating there with pagans? Is that permissible? Is that pleasing to the Lord? Is that allowed? Well, beloved, some in Corinth said, yes, we may do that. Especially those who consider themselves to be among the spiritually strong in the congregation said, we can discern, we can resist, we can eat and not be enticed. We can share a meal with these people and not compromise ourselves. But then, beloved, it is here that the Apostle Paul draws the line. For in our text, he tells those Corinthians that they have to make up their minds. They need to make a choice. They have to make a decision as to the meals they eat. Specifically, they have to decide, he says, between participating in pagan feasts and participating in the supper of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They cannot partake of both. So they have to make a choice. It's a choice that comes down to this question, which is also our theme for this morning's brief sermon. Which meal will it be? So which meal will it be? Well, beloved, for us Western people, that doesn't seem to be, as we read all of this, a rather big deal. If we sit down and have a meal with someone, we do not always see that as an intimate affair. For example, you may be a businessman and you want to close a deal, so you invite your customer to one of the many restaurants in town. That's something that happens all the time. It's quite common. And and neither do we see it as some kind of, of religious activity or affair that we are engaging in when we do that kind of thing. Well, beloved, you need to understand that cannot be said of the ancient city of Corinth. For their business and business dealings and all kinds of, of dealings in life were very much religious affairs. Look, for example, at the verses 19 and 20. Do I mean that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, Paul says, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. As you read those words, you can note that Paul denies... That a sacrifice to an idol has any real power. And in addition, he also denies that it has any real life power or influence. Both sacrificing to idols and, and idols themselves are nothing. So does that mean that it's all an empty ritual? Can we then join in? No, for the Apostle Paul adds 
It's one thing to eat idol meat. It's quite another thing to go to a pagan temple, sit down with pagan worshippers, and participate in their feasting. And he says, you know what that really comes down to? It comes down to participating in demonic activities. It means that you really are becoming a participant with demons. For ask yourself, who is in control of those feasts? It are the demons. It are the evil spirits. It's the world of darkness. Here are the kind of forces that suck you in, chew you up, and spit you out. When you participate in idolatry, you're making common cause with the devil. And that, beloved, is always the most dangerous thing. I've been told that in the jungle there are three kinds of animals that wait on their prey. There is the hyena, who attacks the vital organs, takes a few mouthfuls and is quickly satisfied and moves off. There's the leopard who longs to attack and drink the blood of its victims and then leaves. And finally there's the lion. The lion who attacks and then proceeds to devour its victims so completely that nothing is left. Well, now that's the kind of animal that corresponds to the devil. It's the lion. The apostle Peter calls the devil a roaring lion seeking to devour. And so you're reminded once again that eating with pagans in a temple in the city of Corinth was the most dangerous thing. It will lead to your spiritual destruction. But then if it's a dangerous thing, it's also something else, beloved, the Apostle Paul points out, and that is that it, it is actually a most incompatible thing. And the Apostle brings that out in verse 21 when he says, You cannot eat the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in the Lord's table and in the table of demons. In other words, partaking of idol feasts disqualifies you from the table of the Lord. You cannot drink from both cups. You cannot eat from both tables. And why not? Well, think of what the Apostle Paul writes in his second letter to the church at Corinth. Where he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
And what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? All those questions. All those questions stressing that this really is the ultimate mismatch. This is a case of fundamental incompatibility. Here we are confronted with the great antithesis. Yes, and this is all the more so because of what Paul wrote earlier in our text. There he had asked rhetorically, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Beloved, when the Corinthian believers and also when we today partake of the wine and the bread, it's not just a matter of remembering what Christ did for us so many hundreds and thousands of years ago on the cross. Last Friday was Remembrance Day in Canada. And then especially we remembered and we recall the sacrifice of the men and women of the past and what they did to defend the cause of freedom. We remembered them. But you know, beloved, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, we are doing more than simply remembering, even more than remembering Christ Jesus. We are, as it were, participating in a living way with Him. In the original language, the word participation is the Greek word koinonia, which means fellowship. It means that when we partake of this supper, we are sharing in, we are becoming a part of, we are interacting with, we are united spiritually. With Christ. This language describes that great and, and wondrous, mysterious spiritual union that we believers have with Christ our Lord. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. You see, beloved, in this supper we are joined to Christ. We participate in Christ. We are united to Christ. It's a wonder. It's a miracle. An incomprehensible miracle of the faith. That even today, in this place, at this time, when we partake... We are in intimate union with Christ. Yes, and now perhaps also you begin to see why all of this that Paul talks about is a huge incompatibility. How can you have union with demons and Christ at the same time? How can a believer have fellowship both with those who are, with others who are so diametrically opposed to the gospel? It's not possible. 
It's nothing more than the grossest form of idolatry. And that's also why Paul writes in our text, flee from idolatry. And if we don't flee from idolatry, he says at the end in verse 22, then we will arouse the Lord's jealousy. You can't partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So the Corinthians need to choose. And there is a sense, beloved, in which we need to choose as well. We must choose with care, especially when it comes to matters of great spiritual significance. Who do we serve? Christ or the demons? Christ or the world with its ideologies and philosophies and upside-down priorities? Beloved, as we partake together this morning, may our partaking testify to the fact that we have chosen consciously and deliberately for Christ and for His salvation. And may the body and the blood of Christ Jesus our Lord nourish you as nothing else can. May it refresh you today May it strengthen you tomorrow and may it comfort you always. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.